Hey guys, we're back after a week away, and we're better for it. But we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about the MLB playoffs and give our predictions for the Indians-Yankees game tonight. We'll recap upsets from college football this weekend and give you our top 10, and we finish with the headlines from the NFL. Let's go. of buds and beers uh once again we're sorry we didn't get our thursday picks out uh the alds has been a real pain for scheduling purposes uh, i was at the game on thursday and of course friday was a five and a half hour marathon that ended up in an indians win but we are back this week to recap the games and matt do you have any first takes on the games? So, um, I guess my first couple takes is that I, I do think that Cleveland is going to win the game tomorrow. I will say that because I know that that's kind of where uh, this ultimately is going to end up. But um, everything that I've predicted has happened so far. Minus, oh no, yeah, minus the Cubs being up 2-1. I correctly picked the wild card games. The Astros dominated their series and are waiting for the winner of hopefully the Indians, so I can be right about that. But if uh, – oh, and the Dodgers are up right now too, right? I think they're up 2-1. Dodgers are up 2-0, I believe. 2-0. So uh, as no, long- the, Dodgers, the Dodgers won the series last night. Oh, well, as long as I keep being right, I love it. So I need your Indians not to blow it so I can be undefeated on my predictions. Yeah, I did lose that Dodger. I picked the Diamondbacks to upset them. That turned out real bad. Yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't go well at all. No, but in regards to Game Five tomorrow night, uh, there's a very very angry Corey Kluber who gave up as many runs in Game Two as he did in the month of September. Uh, I don't see the Yankees getting to him again. He's just too dominant of a pitcher to let that happen, and he has a good playoff track record too. That was an incredible fluke. Luckily, the Indians came back. Uh, and CC is the exact opposite, where he's not been that good and was very good in Game 2. Uh, the rational part of my brain keeps saying that the Indians are going to be fine. They'll win the game at home with that pitching matchup. Uh, but the person who's seen way too much shit in 22 years of living <laughs> in Cleveland <laughs> and just knows the history of this city is absolutely terrified because that's exactly the kind of thing that would happen to us yep that's a very uh cleveland browns move or not just a cleveland move to to get up in a series and everyone kind of be like yeah this is what's supposed to happen and then eventually blow the series at home i mean who even knows the last time that happened to the indians um the other thing that i wanted damn it the other thing i wanted to bring up which is just unbelievably impressive and sad at the same time is that the Nationals are the first team to have two no-hit bids go into the fifth inning and lose both games in the playoffs. That's an insane an insane statistic to know that the baseball gods just hate you. Yeah, no, I would have guessed that they were the only team to take two no-hitters that far in a five-game series, let alone lose those two games. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it takes a lot of talent to really do that. So shout-out to Dusty Baker and the Washington Nationals. 
they need to get that attitude back. It's not even like they're playing that badly. The Cubs are just getting super clutch hits. Yep. Yep. And I guess, I mean, right now they're proving me wrong that they couldn't flip the switch and, and get going. But uh, who knows if it'll uh, last and if they can put away the Nationals. Well, we won't find out tonight as the game got postponed till tomorrow. Yeah, one, one more thing before we move on to college football. Um, what the hell is the deal with starting the playoff games at 1 in the afternoon? Like, does, does the MLB just want people to not watch? I don't understand. It's a timing thing, just because it is baseball, so you kind of want to play back-to-back days, uh, and then a travel day in between. But at the same time, that's going to give you two days of four games over the course of a five-game I, I understand the scheduling. Series. What I don't understand is why you're playing a game at 1 o'clock Eastern time in the on the East Coast when 95% of the people are at work and can't afford to watch the game and can only like listen on the radio and maybe can't even do that. You're hurting your own ratings. I just I don't understand what the MLB is thinking. I understand what you're saying, but they're trying to play all of them at a different time. They're trying to go March Madness where you can just sit down and watch all four games. <laughs> At 1, 4, 7, and 10. Yeah, I don't think there's that big of a, a demand for people to listen and or watch baseball. So I think that they just got to stick with a, a couple primetime games in the evening. So you can get home from work, you can have a beer, and you can watch the game while your kids scream and bitch in the background. That's that's my own opinion. Are your kids causing trouble lately? My kids are obnoxious. Yeah, I wonder where they get that from. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm such a even-keeled quiet guy i don't know where they would get that from um so let's move on to college football there were a couple big upsets and we're going to cover them both first one i want to cover is the bigger one and that was the oklahoma upset now this upset was kind of a a game where snapping streaks was the theme of the game oklahoma had a 14 game winning streak going in overall and they had an 18 game winning streak against iowa state and now both of those are gone and Iowa State had lost 20 straight games to ranked opponents, and now that's gone. The Cyclones were uh, were pretty impressive in uh, in Oklahoma on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I and the crazy thing about it, it they didn't really take control in the first half, uh, like you see in a lot of these upsets. I actually switched to a couple of the other games in the first half because it looked like Oklahoma was in control of this one, uh, and clearly I was wrong. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, and one play that just sticks out in my head just because of the idiocy of it was a play ran by Oklahoma. They ran a flea flicker, and when Baker Mayfield got the ball back, he threw a little 10-yard comeback route to the sideline off of a flea flicker. Yeah, that's not usually a a route you have on a flea flicker. I think that's more of a a home run or has, as the kids might say, a hit or miss play. But, um... Yeah, I was like you. The the Oklahoma State got up twenty four ten, or not Oklahoma State. Oklahoma got up twenty four ten, and I kind of turned it off. Um, and I figured that was the beginning of it, just because this was you know Vegas had them pegged as thirty one point favorites, and it was supposed to be a game where Baker pads his stats and kind of gets boosts his Heisman stock. But instead, it was a Sooners defense that in the second quarter and really most of the second half was about as intimidating and creative on the defensive side of the ball as a cigarette butt on the side of the road. So I was pretty uh, I was pretty disappointed to see that after this team had played uh, disapp- had a disappointing game against Baylor and then they had a bye week 
and then he just lost at home to Iowa State and a quarterback who had attempted two passes at Iowa State. And who was playing linebacker for most of the game. Well, no, they, they played two different quarterbacks. Oh. Well, yeah, but... Yeah. The one... You can't be losing a game where a player's playing quarterback and linebacker. Correct. It's it's inexcusable for that to happen. And uh, I just, I, I really was surprised. And I was actually disappointed with Baker Mayfield because I don't know what happened, but on at least two plays, his line gave him ample time um, to make a play, especially on that fourth down where they ended up losing the game. He had time to make a play and, and throw the ball but it was just his receivers weren't getting open or he was just waiting for that you know, guy to get wide open. And it, it, he ultimately couldn't make a play to, to keep his team undefeated. And that's disappointing. And that's something that uh, the best player in college football or someone who's up for that award needs to be able to do. I was going to say, I, as of right now, he's not the best player in college football. No, I think, I think Saquon Barkley is now my number one for the Heisman. Welcome aboard. Well, I mean, he was it was like 1A and 1B, but... You, I mean, that get game may have cost him the Heisman. Now, granted, he has the second half of the season, and they play three more ranked teams, four depending on if West Virginia uh, can can win a little bit in these next few weeks. So their playoff hopes, their conference championship hopes, and Baker's Heisman hopes aren't necessarily dead. No. But, you know, it's, it's an uphill challenge for the rest of the way. Well, it's very similar to Ohio State, who they obviously have the upper hand on for the rest of the year, where if you win out and win your conference and do what you're supposed to do, you're going to have as good of a shot as anybody else to get in the playoffs. Right. Even though two of those spots have essentially already been taken. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the next one, the next big upset was one that's very close to my heart and uh, one that I just, oh my goodness. Can you hear this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, I spent much of Saturday evening running around my house, jumping, celebrating, understanding how great it was for Michigan State to to roll in there and beat up on the Wolverines. That that was just, that was erotic for me. Yeah, no, I understand entirely how you felt there. <laughs> yeah, so um, that was the first time these teams have played at night, and I had that uh, written up in my preview, but I wasn't able to share that information with you guys, so I was a little disappointed about that. But um, it, the first night game for the Wolverines offense really couldn't have gone much worse with the two fumbles in the first half, three picks in the second half. Offense never found any kind of rhythm, and the gentleman who was supposed to be the answer for an offense that couldn't get into the red zone uh, proved Saturday that he's about the farthest thing from that answer. Yeah, I mean, going into a game where you're playing a team that pretty clearly has more talent than you are, the recipe's been the same forever. It's keep the ball away from the other team's offense and run the ball successfully. And in the rain, when Michigan couldn't throw the ball and struggled to run the ball, they were able to keep it on the ground with uh, L.J. Scott, I believe his name, right? Well, no, so uh, that's completely wrong. L.J. Scott didn't touch the field in that game. It was actually Madre London and Gerald Holmes who did that's most the, of the carries for Michigan State. I, I apologize. It's okay. So, But what I, what I do want to say is um, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, and I don't know who their offensive coordinator is. They have two guys. It's Pat Hamilton. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. But I think they put O'Corn in a really poor position 
to because he's throwing the ball in a monsoon eight straight times, you know, what are you going to expect? Now, gran- exactly. granted, I, I think that a couple, I thought two picks that he threw, one that Bocce picked off and the other one that Dowell picked off, not the one he tipped to himself. I don't know if you watched the game, but um, O'Corn didn't make good decisions on the interceptions. I don't want to blame the weather because I feel like that discredits Michigan State's defense. Because they're playing in the same weather, first of all, and they have to, they have to catch the ball even when Michigan's receivers can't. So um, I, I just I felt like they put O'Corn in a poor position, um, and they, they a lot of the times they put their defense in a poor position, but the defense just their Michigan's defense is ridiculous. Yeah. And granted, um, a lot Michigan State's offense in the second half was two runs. And uh, maybe a third one on third down. It, Michigan State's offense was as creative as Michael Scott thinking of a unicorn at age five before he could talk. It it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's a fantastic reference. Thank you. I thought so too. Um. So, but to only allow one touchdown after your offense gives up the ball five times was terrific. Um. And obviously, the big story from this is now that Jim Harbaugh is one in four against Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, he has the Buckeyes coming into Ann Arbor at the end of the season, and that's going to be a really hard game. But um, his overall record at Michigan now is 24-7, and and that's exactly Brady Hoke's record at this point in his Michigan tenure. So, not saying... Yeah, you got to start thinking, it, is this really as good as it gets for Michigan? They look well, great well, against the teams well, they're supposed well, to beat. Hang on. those two rivals, you gotta got to find a way to beat those. I'm not saying that he... I'm not discrediting Jim Harbaugh as a coach. I still think that he's a very, very talented head coach. I I do think that it's a little eye-opening and that the cult of the Michigan fan have to recognize that he needs to come more prepared against Michigan State and he needs to find a quarterback because it's been three straight years where they've had a really good defense and you had Jake Rudock and and Wilton Spath and now Wilton Spath and a little bit of John O'Corn that just cannot execute. So I think that you really need to, to question why he hasn't been able to get a quarterback. I'm not... I'm not going to go as far to say that he's not the answer for U of M because I think that they really could compete for championships, not just Big Ten, but um, national. But he needs to figure something out because if if he goes into next year, there's going to be some uh, some puckered buttholes when they play Michigan State and Ohio State because if he can't do it next year, that's when you have to start to question, like, okay, what the hell is going on with this coaching staff and with this team where we can't beat our two big rivals. And I agree with everything you just said, but the problem coming into it is Jim Harbaugh is a former quarterback. He's a former quarterback's coach. He lives and breathes the quarterback position, and in three years he hasn't been able to find someone who can actually play it. Yeah, it's 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 inexcusable. It's absolutely inexcusable. So um, a lot like Oklahoma, this team has that maybe some aspirations of a conference championship, um, and they're not dead, but I feel like they're buried five feet deep. Yeah, no, they're definitely further behind the eight ball than in Oklahoma. Way further behind because at least Oklahoma Oklahoma doesn't really have a great defense, but they have an offense that can put points up and keep pace with pretty much anyone. So um, I think that gets us over to our top ten, our week six edition of top ten. And for me, I still have the number one as the Clemson Tigers. They won Saturday by 14, not the most impressive or biggest win, but they had the most impressive September in the history of college football, and they have an undefeated record to keep them there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's real easy. 
Yep. Clemson's the best team. Yeah, the, the first two teams are pretty much locked in uh, with Clemson and Bama, uh, who, again, Bama won by nine. I thought it'd be a little more lopsided since the Aggies were starting a true freshman at quarterback. But uh, two, two huge blowouts in the two, couple weeks before that, I'm not going to be too worried that they only won by nine on the road. Well, and if you listen to Saban, it's the media's fault. It was only a nine-point game for spewing that poison. Yep, it's, I mean, he's a football guy, and the football guy is never going to take blame. you gotta, you got to deflect. I disagree. A real football guy takes all the blame, whether or not they earned it. I guess that's true. I agree to disagree. Who you got rolling in at number three? Number three, I'm going to keep it the same way I had it last week with the Nittany Lions. That's fair. I uh, I have the Bulldogs. Both the Nittany Lions and the Bulldogs were impressive. The Bulldogs rolled 45-14. And I think Nick Chubb has kind of been forgotten just because of how ridiculous Saquon Barkley has been. But he ran for 138 yards and two touchdowns. And Georgia won the 20th game in 23 meetings with Vandy. So the, the Bulldogs are rolling right now, and I like it. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I have Georgia at four. Uh, Nick Chubb, me and you have been talking about him all year. He, Like you said, he has kind of lost that national spotlight, being the second best back in college football, which really sounds horrible. But they're, they're a good football team, and they're going to at least put up a fight in the SEC. That's the way it looks right now, and I obviously, we were a little flip-flopped on three and four. I have Penn State coming in. They played really well against Northwestern. I think it was 31-7 to they won. Saquon Barkley did Saquon Barkley things, just being a ridiculous kind of human being, and, and it's not right the things that that man can do on a football field. No, it's not, and I look forward to see him, seeing him get tackled for minus three and brown in orange next year. Yeah, that'll be really nice for you. Uh, number five, who do you have coming in there? I got the Washington Huskies. I knew you were going to say Washington. Like I said, that's where they were last week. They're just going to keep moving up with every loss until they possibly lose themselves. I think that's fair. Um, I had Texas Christian jump up because they were the in the only top 25 matchup of the weekend, and they took, they took care of business against West Virginia at home. It was their second win of the season against the top 25 team after they went into Stillwater and beat Oklahoma State, who was ranked sixth at the time. So uh, I felt comfortable moving the, the Horned Frogs up. I'm not saying I believe in them, but I can't ignore those victories. I, I get what you're saying, and I have TCU right below them at six. That game in Stillwater still like means a lot, but I'm not going to really hold them up too high on a pedestal for beating Will Greer, who's ranked 25 as a ranked win, which, I mean, still technically counts. But I still think Washington has more talent than TCU. I think that's fair. And I had Washington coming in at number six. It's like you said, they keep winning. Um, they went on the road and beat a 31, or they beat a team by 31. I don't even remember who they played. Um, yeah, obviously, it wasn't a great team, and they don't have a, a very strong strength of schedule. But um, if, you, if you win, you're going to get rewarded. So I have them at number six. And at number seven? I have the Badgers coming in here, and I think that they're a lot like uh, the Huskies. They don't have a real strong strength of schedule. Um, a co- uh, they have a game that was probably a little closer than it, it should have been, but they traveled well, and they beat uh, Nebraska by 21. Um, so I, I thought that seven was a nice little spot for them. And I agree. Uh, like you said, similar to Washington, the hard part of their schedule will be at the back end when they get their real strong conference games. But as of right now, they keep winning and other teams keep losing. Yeah, for me, it's going to be Wisconsin has to play um, Michigan at the end of the season. 
And that's their one, I think, I believe that's their only ranked opponent right now on the schedule. They had a pretty easy schedule this year. So uh, my my guess right now is that they're going to keep winning games and they're going to be they're going to end up beating Michigan and they're just going to quietly kind of show up at the Big Ten championship game with a playoff berth on the line. I, I just feel like that's going to be the story. I could definitely see that happening. I mean, there's very small chance Wisconsin doesn't end up in the Big Ten championship game just based on their division. Right. But between Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, they're going to face a really good team there. Right. Or Michigan State, dude. We're, we're right in contention now, too. That's, that's <laughs> true, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is true. As, as Don't you forget moment, it. It is true. It's absolutely true. All right, so just shush. Um, Number eight, who'd you have? I got Washington State still riding high over that USC win. Uh, like I said, the defense looked good. Uh, outscoring Sam Darnold, top ten, they'll stay. Yep, I agreed. Uh, they they had an emotional upset of uh, over USC. They went on the road and and won by twenty three against a banged up Ducks team. So I I thought that that may have been a trap game, and I think a lot of expert experts picked that way too. But they did a nice job of avoiding the trap and getting a good victory on the road. Yes, they did. All right, number nine. Who do you have? Number nine, I have. The Auburn Tigers. Ooh, interesting. Uh, starting to lose. Auburn only has one loss, and it's two of the number one team in the country. Uh, I still think their defense is as good as anyone not named Clemson, and I still think they have a shot to beat Bama and wind up in the SEC championship game. Yep, I, I think that's an interesting pick, and I, I Honestly, I kind of had forgotten about Auburn just because they've been they've been win. I mean, they've been winning, but I just they're not on my radar. I had moved Ohio State up to nine, just because since they lost to Oklahoma, the Buckeyes have outscored opponents two hundred and twelve to forty two, and that's impressive regardless of who your opponent is. Um, I'm not I don't, I'm not ready to say that J T Barrett figured out whatever was wrong with them or that he's back to the way he was his freshman year, but um, it's certainly impressive. And it's making me notice them, and and they're setting it up to be a really interesting game in a couple of weeks when they have Penn State come to Columbus. Yeah, no, that's going to be a good game regardless. But at number ten, I couldn't. I wanted to. I really did want to put the Buckeyes there, but I just couldn't based on the sole fact that Oklahoma beat them. So I do have the Sooners coming in at ten Ooh. with the Buckeyes just behind them. Okay. No, no love for the Miami Hurricanes, huh? I'm I'm still iffy on the Hurricanes. I so just the <laughs> mental picture of what the U as a top ten team looks like, just from the early 2000s. It's hard to put them back in there. So here's the I I I'm not sure that they're gonna last in the top ten for me. I had Ohio State. I said Ohio State at nine, but um, I had Miami rounding out my top ten. Um, they're undefeated, so I think they kind of deserve to be there. They just went on the road and finally beat a team that they had lost seven straight games to. I think they deserve credit for that. Um, it wasn't an impressive win by any by any means, but uh, you're four and zero, and you just you just kind of knocked a monkey off your back. And I think that goes a long way when you uh, are are trying to to get your team back to their previous glory. So uh, I like what Rick Mark Rick's doing down there. I love the turnover chain, and I like seeing the Canes trending in the right direction. So I I, get, I rewarded them with number ten. All right, I have them down a little bit further, though. 
That's that's fair. That's that's totally fair. And and to be honest with you, Auburn probably deserves that spot, maybe a little bit more. I could I could see either one there, but just you know, I, I like seeing the U there. I, I really do enjoy that. It, it it would be fun to have the U good again. It sure would. So speaking of the U and their location obviously is Miami. We're going to switch to the NFL now and get right into what was a very hot story of the Dolphins offensive line coach resigning after a video was released of him snorting a white powder. Do you think it was powdered sugar by chance? So here's my theory. Um, there's a there's a, a science out there that says that people who – because it, it was a stripper who recorded him, right? Uh, well, he was taking like a selfie video, sending it to the stripper. Oh, that just blew my theory up then. Well, basically, I figured that he was—he had just had sex with said stripper. And uh, there's a science out there that says after you have sex is the best time to go and compete in a sport or go work out. So my thought was, all right, he just—he just got uh, just got laid. He's gonna—he's gonna snort some pre-workout, get his mind right, get his body right, and head out. That was—that was where my head went. I was shocked when people threw cocaine into the mix. Clearly, I don't know where they're getting this whole cocaine Seriously. thing. I mean, unless you can test a drug through a video, I, I'm not sure why he resigned. <laughs> I feel I feel like in the reality of situation of the situation, uh, he resigned because everybody knew exactly what that was. Yeah, I mean, come and on. the worst part is he fell in love with the prostitute Aww. and sent videos to her saying how much as he misses her. Aww. And I believe she is pregnant right now. Is it maybe his kid? I was gonna say, was it his? Because how how shitty would that be to fall in love with a a stripper? First of all, shout out to Logan Geyer. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, uh, to have her get pregnant and not even let that baby be yours or have that baby be yours. Oh, I don't know which one's worse. I honestly don't either. And how does this? How does this end for him? Because everyone knows that it was him on the video, and everyone knows why he resigned. So do you just go and open your own gym now? Do you become a personal trainer? Does another team pretend like they actually want to hire you? Do you go back to your alma mater? What What is your next step in this situation? Uh, from a PR standpoint, just go to any Josh Gordon-sponsored rehab clinic and just stay there for a couple months and try to let this whole thing die down. Oh, oh, and that's the best part for him is that there's so many news stories going on that by next week, no one's going to remember this until the ESPYs. But, and the, but then the second he gets hired, guess what's going to come right back Oh, up? yeah. I mean, as soon as he's going to be on a list for an interview and they're going to Google him, and the first thing that's going to pop up is a uh, former coach uh, resigns after uh, a, a alleged video of cocaine or whatever. Yeah. It's going to no, be brutal. He, he's, he's damn near dead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm pretty sure there's going to be a new gym opening up in Miami with, uh, his name on it. I was just surprised that cocaine use was so rampant in the streets of Miami. Who would have thought? Yeah. I thought they cleaned that up after Scarface, but I don't know. I guess not. That's a good, uh, nonfiction movie. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on. <laughs> Next, next, uh, next headline was some injuries that took place over the the weekend, and I'm talking about OBJ breaking his ankle and being out for the season. Brandon Marshall is now out for the season. JJ Watt broke his leg. It was a bad weekend for some uh, superstars' legs. Yeah, it was, and that uh, I picked the Giants to play in the Super Bowl. That's probably not going to happen anymore. 
I I literally have never seen a team in like just in my ability to remember watching football. I've never seen a team that had expectations like the Giants had in the preseason just go belly up immediately and start 0 and 5. Like that that's just I, incredible. No, you're right. I mean, there's a difference between not living up to expectations like maybe the 3 and 2 Patriots, which sounds ridiculous that 3 and 2 is under expectation. But to just go 0 and 5 and look good in none of the games you've played. It, it's incredible. It, and it, not in a good way. So, I was thinking about it today and if I was if I was Eli Manning, I would. It's just like I don't want to play this season. I, my career is close to being over anyway. Why am I going to go out and take hits behind this awful offensive line to not even make the playoffs? Let's let's get healthy we before I, you trot me back out there. Actually, take the hits. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and against the Lions, he just likes to drop down and, and get touched. So I guess maybe you can punch a hole in that idea. But uh, I would seriously consider shutting him down for the rest of the season because it's it's just it's a throwaway year now for the Giants. Let's compete for the number one pick and let's just get out of here. It is. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but it's still way too early in the year to shut down your quarterback. But you're not going to make the playoffs, and that's ultimately the goal, right? But then you have to sell tickets to games, and you can't actually sell tickets and just say, we give up, come pay us. Uh, the Jets were going to do that, and their team screwed it up. The Browns have done that for like the last 19 years, so what the hell are you talking about? But there's not like an active act of giving up. Those teams are just bad. No, you're right. Taking Brandon Whedon in the first round of the draft is not an act of giving up. My bad. That's just shitty scouting, and I yelled about it then. I'll yell about it now. Worst quarterback I've ever seen play in an NFL football game. Well, at least he was only 20. Oh, no, wait, he was already 30. Never mind. Oh, 28. Oh, excuse me. That makes it which, better. Which makes it okay. <laughs> right. Um, but, no, I, I'm, I'm going to sit firmly on the bench of uh, shut him down and let, is it, who do they have, like Ryan Nassib or, or some other nameless guy, let him get some snaps. No, I think they got Geno backing him up. Geno Smith? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I'd definitely do it then because then it becomes like a troll to the Jets. I don't know. It doesn't troll because he's not going to win. That actually kind of would be funny to see Gino go out there and ball out. He's He wouldn't, though. But I think... But, like, if he did. It would be interesting to see how, like, an actual mobile quarterback could do behind that offensive line. Because now that he has no weapons, it would just be that guy's leg talent that would keep plays alive and maybe get, like, a, a fifth-string wide receiver who has no business being on the field a touchdown or two. And then we have a fun story for the rest of the season. And that's why people can tune in to Giants games. Maybe. Boom. But speaking speaking of mobile quarterbacks, Cam Newton's back. <sighs> I don't Matt, he is. I'm not sure I want to talk about this. A couple weeks ago I said they need to go back to the original Cam Newton game plan. Get him moving around more, get him a couple carries despite the hits he's gonna take, and he carried the ball seven times, was very active in read options, even ones that he didn't keep and was just mobile Cam Newton running around, throwing the ball around, and that ended up in a stat line of 26 of 33 for 355 and three touchdowns. Okay, for being a fan who was at the game, he didn't have to be mobile in that game. I don't know if you actually watched. He did run the ball a little bit, but the dude literally had five seconds every time he dropped back to throw the ball. He got sacked one time. I don't think the Lions even registered a a quarterback pressure after that. It It was a ridiculously horrible performance from the Lions offensive line. 
Granted, he still tore up a secondary that has Darius Slay, Nevin Lawson, Glover Quinn, and uh, Tavon Wilson. And it's a, it's a defense that has done extremely well forcing turnovers. But he took care of the ball. He made them pay when they made mistakes. Um, but I'm not I'm not ready to say he's back because he, he, he played against a Patriots defense that still needs to find its identity. And he, he played against an offense where he could sit and take five seconds to throw the ball every single time. And much like we saw last season, when you allow any, much like the Lions fans saw last season, I should play, so should say, when you allow any quarterback to have time to throw the football, you're going to get a Case Keenum 78% completion rate or Sam Bradford 85% or Carson Wentz at you know 70%. When when there's no pressure on a quarterback, he can just he can do whatever he wants, and and that was more the story on Sunday for me than Cam Newton being the MVP. Cam Newton. Yeah, you're right. At the same time, that says a lot about the Panthers' offensive line, which is going to go a long way to continuing Cam Newton doing this because that Lions' defensive line is not a bad line. They get they're not a good defensive line. Ziggy Ansa is the sh- uh, is the one bright spot, and I think he hasn't registered a sack since the Giants game. Uh, this isn't this isn't a defensive line that was supposed to be the strength coming into this for this team. And and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Um, this 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 isn't necessarily a game that I it's it's to be neutral. It's great to see Cam Newton going off in two straight games. And I can definitely see how you make the argument for him to, to say he's back. I, I, I absolutely understand how you make that argument. I am just a little bit hesitant because I'm not sure how good um, how good the Patriots defense is right now. And against I, I guess I would credit his offensive line in the game against the Lions more than the uh, than Cam because I didn't really see him make any difficult throws. Um I just I, I, that's for me. It's it's more the story that he wasn't pressured than it was he made plays. Uh, I, I mean, one kind of goes hand in hand with the other, right? Um, but I, to your point, if 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 he goes off again next week and he has another kind of performance like he's had the previous two, I'm on the bandwagon. Cam's back, and I'm and I'm happy to see it because uh. A good Cam Newton, a guy who's fun, a guy who can energize a crowd, a guy who is very charismatic, is good for the NFL. So I, I do, I do hope that he does that he's back because it's a lot more fun to see him dabbing and handing the ball off to kids in the end zone and dancing with his teammates and and flying through the air in you know as he dives in than it is to see him take fourteen headshots and go to the sideline and not know who he is, what he play, who he plays for, and what he's even doing with his life. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it would be good for everyone, as we saw a couple years it ago. It would. So we another guy I wanted to bring up is a guy that no one will ever question if he's a lead or not, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Um, he, he pretty much just pulled off the, the, the sequel to what he did last season in the playoffs where Dallas scored late and Aaron Rodgers drove down the field and effectively ripped their heart out. Yeah, I mean, who didn't see this coming? I mean, I, I felt I felt bad for Troy Aikman because he knew exactly what was going to happen. And he was like, it, you know, Joe Buck is like, oh, a great read by Dak Prescott. And he gets in the end zone. And Joe's like, oh, that's that's about 90 seconds too long. And there was only about 113 left on the clock. Like, in no, Joe's world. 
Okay, my bad. In Joe's world, there's no, like, you have to leave Aaron Rodgers five seconds or left. And he's right, especially against Dallas, because he just seems to find a way to pull that game out every single time, or at least the last two times. So I just, I was I was upset because I needed the, the Packers to lose that game so we could keep pace in the NFC North. But um, to be a, a Dallas fan and to see that happen again would just be awful. I saw a great picture on Twitter today, and it was a Snapchat of a guy decked out in Packers gear in AT&T Stadium. And all the Dallas fans around him are cheering, and the caption just says, "There's a minute forty. There's a minute forty-one left. They're cheering because they think they're going to win this game. <laughs> all the confidence in the world in Rodgers, and why shouldn't he? Right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I think is. It's like Rodgers, Stafford, and Brady are three QBs that you just don't want to see in the fourth quarter. Not at all. Um, Monday Night Football obviously was last night. Sam Bradford. Uh, went out he was like four of eight or some horrible stat line um but i know it's been said but i think bradford really should is done he had to leave he uh he's been out for four weeks already with a non-contact injury to his knee um he's not ready to come back yet i think bradford should probably just retire or figure out some other line of work to get into because i think football's done for him I think there's a lot of people that have said that for a long time, though, and he comes out, ekes a couple of games out, and gets another $100 million contract, though. And if I'm him, why not keep doing that? No, I mean, if Minnesota is going to shell out some money for you, then, yeah, I'm going to sign. But um, Case Keenum is certainly making his case to, I don't know what his contract situation is, but I know that Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford both have contracts up at the end of the season, right? Yeah, that sounds right. So it'll be interesting to see which of the three they pick, you know, come off season. You know, Bradford with a bad knee, uh, Bridgewater with a bad lower body, and Case Keenum, who's just bad. That just that sounds like a horrible decision to have to make. It's not. I mean, it's not. It, what's what sucks for Vikings fans is going into that year. It was like, all right, we got touchdown Teddy, we got Adrian Peterson, we have one of the best defenses in the league you know super bowl this is our expectations then all of a sudden boom bridgewater goes down and it has just been a steady downhill ride for these vikings fans ever since that day yeah no it's been rough for them also in that game though mitch trubisky did make his debut he did Uh, pretty uneventful stat line of 12 for 25 for a buck 28 a touchdown and a pick uh but on that touchdown he did throw they went for two and they ran a play that just itched me where I or scratched me where I itched. It was gorgeous. They ran essentially scratched me a stretch to the to the left. Had the tight end peel back to the backside, almost like he's gonna black block the backside end. And the running back shuffle passed it to the tight end coming across the formation, who then took it down the line of scrimmage and ran a triple option. With Trubisky, who got the pitch and ran into the end zone for the two points. It was probably the best play call that John Fox, I don't know if he calls plays, but it was the best play call that's been ha- that's happened under John Fox since his time in Chicago. It was magical. Oh, it, it was just gorgeous to watch. It was erotic. It, it, that play belongs in the Hall of Fame. Just, just put one small 16-inch monitor in one of the hallways, like in the bathroom. Put it, put a small 16-inch monitor above a urinal, 
and whenever you have to go use the restroom for 10, 15 seconds, you watch that play two or three times and just wonder, like, wow, Mitch Trubisky's uh, a NFL commentator now, and he ran a triple option with his left tackle. They shouldn't put that play in the bathroom because I'd end up getting arrested. That's a... That's can just go ahead and be where we end that. Um, last big bit of news from this uh, evening and from today in the NFL was Adrian Peterson was traded from the Saints to the Cardinals. Yeah, this move feels weird. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure why the Saints went out and got Peterson to begin with. Uh, but on the same time, you're just trying to make do with anything you can in Arizona until – with obviously David Johnson out for the year and they're thinking Adrian Peterson might just have a little bit of juice left. Yeah, I don't think Adrian Peterson has any juice left. Um neither I, does anybody else. Right. And I wanna congratulate the the Cardinals because I'm pretty sure they now have the oldest backfield in the NFL. So um I don't think the senior citizens that they have lining up on Sunday are gonna be too good. And I think that this is probably just going to uh I don't know what their record is right now. I don't think it's horrible, but I, the window I, for the Cardinals is for me. It's closed. They just uh, they messed up in the draft, in my opinion, because I thought they should have taken a quarterback to replace Carson after this year. You know, done the whole red shirt thing with them. But I mean, it was just it's going to be a tough year, I think, for the Cardinals for the, here on out. On the flip side, for the Cardinals though, if you take the most rushing yards the running backs have had in their career and use that just as a stat, they definitely have the most in the league with Chris Johnson and Adrian Peterson. Well, they don't because Chris Johnson isn't on the team anymore. Well, then who the hell knows? I'm just saying. They 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 were the only they were the only team who had two running backs who had both rushed for two thousand yards, to your point. But they effectively ended that storyline when they cut Chris Johnson. Who to his credit, he tweeted out after he got cut or whatever, L M A O. So CJ2K is going to is going to have some uh, a chip on his shoulder. Wouldn't mind seeing a team pick him up just for just for giggles. Yeah, no, I'd be in, I'd be on board for that. All right. So, that'll wrap up the NFL headlines and I'm going to run through some business here with you guys. You need to follow us on Twitter at @budsbeers. You need to follow Joe Joey at @stooley92 and you need to follow me at @brez4694 if you want some hot takes on any of the NFL college football, NHL, MLB, track and field, any any, expert. any kind of sporting event that we can throw out a hot take on, we will, and we would love it if you followed us, and we'll definitely follow you back. So it's a win-win situation. You get something to laugh at, uh, mostly because of how stupid it's going to be, and you gain a follower. So, you know, scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Um if you do follow us, make sure you tweet us what games or storylines you want us to talk about because that'll make the podcast more enjoyable for you, and that's ultimately what the goal is. Uh, don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud, and don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes so you can listen, rate, and comment. And if you do that, you will have a chance. You will be entered for a chance to win a free T-shirt. It's, it's still up for the taking. Still up, guys. A lot of good candidates so far, so make sure. Make sure your review is good. All right, Joey, what's your uh, what's your one last thing? My one last thing is last night at the end of Monday Night Football, the trailer for the new Star Wars came out, and I had a full-on nerdgasm. It looks awesome, and I cannot wait till Christmas. Not because of the holidays or my family. That all sucks. 
I want to see Star Wars. No, I'm really excited to see uh, what's what the Empire Strikes Back just redone a little bit. I'm sure that's going to be really, really cool. Still better than the prequels. I mean, that's uh, number three was good. Come on. It was the best of the prequels. I think it was better than maybe one of the originals. I don't know which one. I'd have to make a a list and some pros and cons. But number three was, I think, right now is my favorite Star Wars. It is a ridiculously good movie. You're the worst. I know I am. I just say things just to annoy you. Um, my one last thing is this weekend is the opening day for uh, duck hunting in Michigan, and I'm pumped up because that means my Saturdays are going to consist of waking up and going hunting, coming home and having some coffee cake taking a quick nap before some college football game starts and then watching college football all day on Saturday. And then I'm going to be able to wake up on Sundays and either go to a Lions game or watch NFL football all day. So my weekends are literally just going to be the best. The weather's starting to change. And I, I know we said it a lot on the podcast before, but fall is literally the best time of the year and you can make no argument for any other time. So just don't waste your time. Don't at me. I mean, you can't argue that. Exactly. Like what we used to do in college where we'd just sit from noon to midnight, case of beer each, and just nonstop two TVs of college football. It was it was it was living the dream. So uh, that'll wrap it up for us. We're gonna we're gonna try and get another podcast out to you before the weekend. We'll probably uh, do some previews of the ALCS and the NLCS on those podcasts. We'll make sure we get our uh, football previews in, and we'll definitely make sure we record this week so we don't leave you guys high and dry. With that said, have a great night, have a great day, have a great week, guys. Bye, friends. Talk to you later.